0: Okay, here it goes. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Wanna wish you a happy 28th birthday to Zanon Paris. Yes, today Niels from Capturing Disney Parks, who you know from his amazing Instagram, Twitter and website, and I invite you to celebrate Disneyland Paris' 28th birthday with us by taking a look at our top 10 Disneyland Paris moments of all time. Well, I guess not (laughs) of all time, but until now, (laughs) whether they be historical or personal, let's chat about it. Niels, it's so great to have you back. Thanks for having me, Eric. (laughs) How have you been keeping the magic alive during these
1: difficult times? (laughs) Yeah, well... I keep uh, feeding my Instagram uh, account with Disneyland Paris and Walt Disney World pictures well, in a daily or multiple times a day uh, base. <laughs> and it really keeps me in the Disney bubble, selecting pictures for my iGuy, researching a bit for the captions and staying in touch with uh, the whole Disney community. So, uh, yeah, that's... Uh an important thing for me uh, these days. Even more important than it was before the coronavirus.
0: Yeah, and I definitely enjoy looking at them because it just in general, like social media, taking a look at all the photos that people are posting, mm-hmm. it really takes you back into the parks and brings up those memories. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been keeping really busy exploring Disney+. Plus, yeah, Which imagine. has finally launched. <laughs> finally. <laughs> yeah. By the time this episode comes out, it will have launched in France as well, but they were delayed until April 7th. I'm very sorry to all my French listeners, but I'm especially in love with The Mandalorian, The Imagineering Story, Fork Ask a Question. However, I also kind of have been using the streaming service to catch up on movies that I meant to go see in theaters, but then somehow never did. Maybe the Marvel movies. Yeah yes yeah especially for me it was Arlo and Spot and A Wrinkle in Time you know that Oprah Winfrey sci-fi movie I really like that yeah
1: I know that it was well not a big success that Disney was looking for but still it's a great fantasy story
0: it's a lot of fun to watch and hey now they've got maybe it wasn't a big box office success but now they've got something cool to feature on Disney plus other than that I've been spending way too much time on YouTube watching ride through videos and oh did you see the virtual uh, Disney Magic Happens Parade that Disney Parks posted on their official channel yeah (laughs)
1: <laughs> there's a lot of stuff uh, to watch indeed, and I also saw the last performance of the Fantasmic show in uh, Tokyo Disneyland <laughs> without uh, any uh, <laughs> spectators, Aww. so uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting <laughs> stuff to spend a little bit of time. Uh, yeah,
0: keep the magic going a little yeah. bit. I'm really happy they're posting these videos, and I hope we get to see more of them in the future. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah.
0: So the parks are going to remain closed until at least April 15th. I'm guessing longer, honestly. Disneyland Paris has also cancelled the Princess run, which was due to take place in May. This, of course, is due to Mm -hmm. the COVID-19 pandemic that's currently making its rounds through the world. Now, we would love to hear from you guys. How are you getting your fill of Disney magic during the quarantine? I've seen some wonderful folks get really creative at home <laughs> on Twitter, everything from turning a laundry basket into a mini Star Tours motion simulator for kids <laughs> to building like a makeshift soaring attraction in the living room. So it's, that's giving me life at the yeah. moment. <laughs> in other news, Disney Editions is releasing a new book, Women of Imagineering. 12 careers, 12 theme parks, countless stories by Elizabeth Erlanson, which celebrates some of the female Imagineers that have brought Disney magic to life. So the official description reads, capturing an era and preserving stories they have told to their daughters, their mentees, their husbands and their friends. A dozen women Imagineers have written personal stories from their decades designing and building the Disney worldwide empire of theme parks. So this sounds really exciting. I can't wait to check out this book and it's awesome that they're focusing on Female Imagineers, because in the past—not recent past, but past past, like '50s, '60s—they were swept a little bit under the rug yeah. in the Walt Disney. Well, not only in the Disney company, but really every company, but Everywhere, still. Some. Yeah true it's great that we're cherishing them today yeah, yeah. definitely blair, blair i can only yeah imagine. i'm really
1: looking forward to this book as indeed the personal touch of the stories will make it different from any historical book. so definitely. Uh, yeah really uh, interesting
0: yeah because they're focusing on each female imagineer right so each one mm-hmm. sharing their perspective their experience it's going to be really insightful i can imagine
1: yeah and it's also pretty cool to have all theme parks <laughs> coming together in one book definitely yeah <laughs> so uh yeah yeah, looking forward to that but i think it's only in october right yeah so we have to wait yeah oh my gosh
0: <sighs> The patience, the patience. So, real quick before we get into our top ten, I wanted to share this really cool fun fact with you guys. This was shared on the official Disney Parks Twitter page. It reads: Many people don't know that Disneyland Paris sits on a historic plain that was once one of the most popular places in Europe for medieval entertainment. Well, more than eight hundred years ago, during the medieval period, the field of Lagny-sur-Marne, and I'm probably saying that wrong, was the popular place in France for jousting tournaments. The field at Lagny was located east of Paris on the east banks of the river Marne, bordering the region of Champagne, (laughs) (laughs) Disneyland Paris now sits on a portion of that vast field. So the largest and most spectacular of all medieval tournaments ever held was hosted there in November 1179 by King Louis. King Louis from the Jungle Book, right? (laughs) By King Louis Seventh of France to celebrate the coronation of his nephew and heir Philip. So it was a tradition in that area that a king would sometimes crown his ear during their own lifetime, which is kind of interesting. So they're basically like retiring. <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah.
0: On All Saints' Day 1179, the nearly 15 year old Philip was anointed and crowned at Reims Cathedral. And following the ceremonies, more than 3,000 men, noble knights and their men, met at sur Surman for what might be considered the Super Bowl of the Middle Ages. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely put. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) It's really exciting to learn how much history has happened on the land that Disneyland Paris was built on. Just gives me a whole new appreciation for Lancelot's carousel and fantasy land and in general the festive medieval vibes that are going on there. It's a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so it always was. A place for entertainment. So uh, definitely, <laughs> it's great that they continue uh, that legacy uh, in a different way, uh, <laughs> fitting uh, <laughs> today, fitting today. Yeah,
0: <laughs> a little bit less jousting, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, we've got an amazing top ten facts for you guys about the history of Disneyland Paris, the best moments we've had at Disneyland Paris, a little bit of everything, besides, of course, the opening of Disneyland Paris, which in itself deserves a whole episode so Niels do you want to do us the honors?
1: Yes I will start with the 25th anniversary uh, celebrations and the whole uh, refurbishment program uh, just uh, yes. <laughs> in front of that. So that was in 2017, 25th anniversary and it started with a press day and a soft launch of the uh, on the 25th of March that year um, and I believe the celebration itself uh, lasted for about one and a half years so it was a long uh, anniversary and of course 25 years was a real milestone but there were also several reasons why i chose this moment for my list first of all uh, project sparkle so we all know that disneyland paris wasn't maintained in the very best way (laughs) (laughs) so this project was a huge investment to get especially the disneyland park back to its original glory it was a huge refurbishment plan, um, and a lot of favorites from Pirates of the Caribbean to Dumbo really got uh, touched up. And not all attractions were done before the 25th anniversary, but we still see, let's say, this trend <laughs> continuing uh, with uh, the more recent massive updates of Phantom Manor, Autopia, and now Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, so it's really great to see that they're in- investing in the park instead yeah. <laughs> of uh, well, just. Uh, let it all happen and uh, <laughs> getting less and less attractive. And the second highlight of the 25th anniversary was the actual celebrations with well, the characters and their special outfits, had the blue and silver decorations, and especially the introduction of a new daily uh, parade with those stunning floats at the currently running uh, Stars On Parade. We got the new nighttime spectacle, Disney Illuminations, uh, for the 25th anniversary, although a lot of people prefer the previous Disney Dreams show. But I still think Illuminations is a fantastic show and a more dynamic mix of what the Walt Disney Company has to offer uh, if you compare it to Disney Dreams uh, including Pirates of the Caribbean uh, as a live action film, uh, Star Wars. So it became more diverse in my opinion. Yeah. And also Space Mountain because it's a hyperspace uh, mountain overlay at the time. So yeah, a lot of things happened around that 25th anniversary and I believe that it really brought some new life to the whole
0: resort. Yeah, like what a lot of people don't realize is that Disneyland Paris before that really didn't get any love in terms of no. keeping the attractions maintained, making sure that the parks are looking their best. If you're used to the hmm. American parks or even the Japanese counterpart, I mean, those parks have been maintained in pristine condition or you know as close to it as possible. Yeah. And that is something yeah. that we were not really given that luxury. So it's great that now they're doing a pretty good job of maintaining everything Mm -hmm. and everything's looking great. And they're, of course, expanding and working on new and exciting things. So it's really awesome that new life has been (laughs) given to Design Paris, Yeah, which is, of course, essential to maintain it and to keep guests coming
1: back. Yeah, I'm still surprised that in those 25 years, uh, without any extremely big updates Uh, a lot of visitors still came to the resort and um, yeah
0: loyal fans loyal fans yes so what's on your list yeah so i'm gonna come back to your point especially on space mountain so my first point is opening of space mountain de la terra la lune the resort encountered a loss of millions of fresh Fresh French francs in the first three years of operation. This was due to low hotel occupancy, low guest spending, and even lower attendance than projected. This is actually partly due to the cold winter weather that we experience here in France. Mm-hmm. Either way, though, it's a sharp contrast to Tokyo Disneyland, which sees crowds year-round regardless of weather conditions. It also gets pretty chilly over yeah, there. True. On the 25th of July 1995, Euro Disney SCA reported its first quarterly profit. Remember, Disneyland Paris opened in 1992. Its first profit was 35.3 million US dollars. In that year, theme park attendance had climbed from 8.8 million to 10.7 million parkgoers, an increase of 21%. Hotel occupancy had also climbed from 60% to 68.5%. And after debt payments, Disneyland Paris ended up with a final net profit of $22.8 million. Michael Eisner, the ex-CEO of the Walt Disney Company, credited Space Mountain de la Terra la Lune and its creator, Imagineer Tim Delaney, as the savior of Disneyland Paris because of this. <laughs> Regardless of the financial implications for Disneyland Paris, it is my favorite steampunk-inspired roller coaster type attraction before it's rethemed to hyper space mountain that is <laughs> i can appreciate keeping it updated and fresh and doing a cool themed overlay but honestly i'm i'm kind of ready for the original to return Jules Verne published his book De la Terre à la Lune, or from, in English, From the Earth to the Moon. It told the story of the Baltimore Gun Club, a post-American civil war society of weapons enthusiasts and their attempts to build an enormous Columbiad space gun and launch three people, <laughs> the gun club's president, his Philadelphian armor-making rival, and a French poet, in a projectile with the goal of a moon landing. Ultimately, the Paris' version of Space Mountain would be the tallest and fastest version of any Space Mountain attraction, and the only one to include inversions and to feature a portion of track outside the mountain itself. That being the station and the launch through the 72 foot high Columbia Cannon. Ugh, my favorite part.
1: Yeah, and that Cannon looked really cool in the past with uh,
0: the whole uh, steam uh, effect. Yeah. Oh, yes. So while it wasn't the first roller coaster ever to feature onboard audio, it is one of the first (laughs) ones to feature the Sobat synchronized onboard audio track. So the Sobat, back in the day, stored the music on 20 megabyte flash memory drives, which was revolutionary in the 90s. (laughs) Today, 20 megabytes (laughs) for us is like one picture, right? Yeah, exactly. Aesthetically speaking, it was an absolutely gorgeous attraction with the massive Columbiad cannon that Niels just mentioned. This is still there today, by the way, even though it's Hyperspace Mountain, we've got the gorgeous cannon, and the interior rocked a whimsical smiling moon looking down at you, which was just truly magical to me. (laughs) So it really is a Space Mountain experience like no other out there. Yeah, it is.
1: And I totally agree that the Hyperspace Mountain overlay is not really fitting the overall theming of well the building and uh, yeah <laughs> all the nice decorations and details that are there it's uh, yeah it, it, it's a strange combination but of course when you're inside uh, it doesn't matter anymore <laughs> <laughs> i'm wondering if they will bring back this original version or maybe an upgraded version of it in the near future yeah or maybe just mission two originally the hyperspace mountain was announced like a temporary overlay but uh, i think we're now uh, yeah almost three years (laughs) further
0: (laughs) i feel like as long as disney's releasing star wars movies they're like oh let's just keep this up to promote star wars (laughs) yeah i guess so yeah I don't hate hyperspace mountain at all actually i really enjoy riding it however like you mentioned there is such a disconnect Mm -hmm. between the theming of the attraction the building's exterior which is still that beautiful victorian and honestly i hope it stays that way so i wouldn't mind if sometime in the future they would restore the original attraction not necessarily exactly Mm -hmm. as it was before maybe enhance the original experience like they did with phantom manor I could see that working really nicely. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. So
1: what's your next one, Niels? The Run Disney events. as Well, Run Disney is a, a road race unit of the, the Disney Sport Enterprises. And it all started in 1994 with the Walt Disney World uh, Marathon, followed by many races in the US parks at both Walt Disney World and Disneyland Resort. And it became extremely popular over the years with lots of special challenges, themes runs, and even uh, multiple runs a year. But in 2016, the organization decided to bring the event event to our Disneyland Paris too. So it became a massive success here in Europe with thousands of runners every year. My wife, daughter and I ran the 5k twice and my daughter did the kids races three times. Ooh. And it is a really special uh, event, like no other Disney event in the parks and you get a nice behind the scenes while running. So this year, Run Disney uh, France celebrates its fifth anniversary uh, already in, uh, in September. And it's also the first year that Disney will have a second run weekend in May. But as you just announced, (laughs) it's canceled because of the corona situation. So that's a pity. But I still really love that the whole Run Disney event was coming to France as a highlight of the whole resort's event offering. And uh, I hope, uh, yeah, this is one of the many steps that brings Disneyland Paris closer to what Disney is doing in the U.S. parks.
0: Most definitely. There are such excellent events, and I love that you get the opportunity to see the parks behind the scenes, Yeah, that you never get to do that.
1: No, (laughs) no, that's really, really unique uh, of this event. Yeah, Yeah.
0: and even though this year we saw the cancellation of the Princess Run in May, which is, of course, a bummer, however, perfectly understandable. I'm sure they'll bring it back next year, or I guess launch it next year, since it's never happened before (laughs) the first time. Kind of like the Tokyo Olympics, let's just push it back a year, and then we'll have a fantastic time with it exactly yeah
1: so let's hope that the september one the regular run disney runs can uh, be there
0: most definitely keeping my fingers crossed that everything will normalize by. yeah (laughs) me too (laughs) it's a long time (laughs) yeah totally we actually had a trip planned with my husband's parents for this month so we had to push that off indefinitely until now because they're in that danger zone of being over 60 years old so we'll see when we'll reschedule i hope maybe for october maybe check out some of the halloween decorations and Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, Halloween is always great. Yeah, Yeah. totally. So next on my list is the Main Street Electrical Parade. Oh, wow. Many of you may know the iconic nighttime parade either from the American or Japanese parks, but did you know the parade was also a resident of Disneyland Paris from opening day until 2003? Now, the reason the Main Street Electrical Parade will always have a special place in my heart is, besides the live performers, covered in over 600,000 electronically controlled LED lights, is the fantastic soundtrack. So it's called... Baroque hoedown. <laughs> the original version was created in 1967 by early synthesizer pioneers Jean-Jacques Perry and Gershon Kingsley. The soundtrack has been updated and reworked several times since then, but the underlying melody remains. Mm. I've got some hardcore childhood nostalgia feels for the electrical parade, but... Besides all the nostalgia, I've always admired the parade on a technical level. So you see what the engineers who helped create the parade also created the first automated parade show control program. Mm. This allowed the 2,000 foot, that's 610 meters, long parade route to contain multiple radio-activated trigger zones. Using radio-activated triggers as each float entered a zone, the audience would hear the float-specific music throughout the park's audio system. So each zone would be between 70 and 100 feet, that's 21 to 30 meters long. And the zone system meant that every person watching the parade would experience the same show no matter where they stood along the parade route. You have float with the butterflies coming along. You'll hear some from butterfly boop 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 version <laughs> of the Barack Hoedown. And then when you have the princesses coming around, it sounds a little bit more royal. Yeah. There's just something so magical about standing on Main Street in the evening, seeing the lights turn off and hearing that fantastic intro. And as the parade's colorful lights slowly begin to illuminate the darkened streets in a bright and dazzling cacophony... <laughs> It's just so exciting.
1: <laughs> I really wish that we had a nighttime parade uh, right now yes
0: even if it's not electrical parade i would appreciate Mm -hmm. something in the evening besides illuminations and especially in the darker times of year i could imagine that that's something that brings more folks into the park yeah yeah Yeah,
1: definitely yeah but i think they announced that they are developing a new christmas parade um yeah with nighttime
0: effects so yeah let's hope uh, that uh... that'd be awesome (laughs) this it yeah makes perfect sense for december since it gets dark so early so that will work perfectly yeah Yeah. So over the years, the parade has seen several revivals. However, we have yet to see one in Disneyland Paris. Yeah. Again, nighttime parade would be a great addition to the parks. (laughs) I wouldn't be complaining.
1: No, me neither. (laughs) Yeah, and what you see happening in, I think, the Disneyland Resort is that they also have projection mapping on all the the buildings in Main Street. And if they can make some kind of combination of illuminated floats and and costumes. Most definitely. And having some effects that match with the projections on the buildings. Yeah,
0: and they could synchronize it to the floats, like have ocean for Moana. So not just
1: (laughs) the music or the sounds that are synchronizing to the floats, but also the projections on the building, yeah.
0: You know who did a fantastic job of this is Universal Studios in Japan. I recommend if you haven't seen it yet, go on YouTube and check it out. They have this fantastic nighttime parade in the Japanese park. It's fantastic. And they also do this crazy thing with the projection mapping on the building so when there's a minions float that comes through you have all these fantastic minions all over the place oh, and that's nice uh, yeah it's a lot of fun so what's your next moment niels my next moment are
1: the fan days Ooh. so that was june 2nd 2018 quite recent actually the day of the disney fan days uh, inaugural uh, uh, party a ticketed uh, fan event at the Walt disney studios park and i personally participated that evening which was a really special night uh, to me and although it was called fan days like in multiple days but written with a z (laughs) (laughs) uh, it was only one night (laughs) and it didn't return so far so yeah i'm not sure what the idea was (laughs) behind the name (laughs) maybe they foreseen multiple events but uh, well until now uh, it was only uh, in june 2018 But uh, I really enjoyed that night. So looking back at the event, there was special fan days merchandise for that night. There was a special theme uh, song created, some special cupcakes. Oh, so cool. uh, So it was really like the full package and there were tons of character meets. So that was really the main thing of that night, including very special ones like Horace, Clarabelle, Cow, Oswald, the Lucky Rabbit (laughs) and his girlfriend, Hortensia. (laughs) And for Hortensia, it even was the first ever park appearance globally. So... Yeah, Paris really had a, awesome. well, a unique night. Other characters uh, were given a new look in special days, styled outfits. And we were also able to meet Anna, Elsa, Olaf, Kristoff, some of the big Hero 6 characters, the whole Monsters Inc. cast. So nice. Yeah, it was really a unique uh, opportunity um, for the, the character freaks. <laughs> but there was more besides, well, the attractions also being opened all night. There, there was a DuckTales uh, parade Ooh. with the theme song of the new series, which I really like. Oh my gosh, I have to look that up uh, on
0: YouTube. That sounds awesome. Yeah,
1: it was a pretty simple parade. Um, I think they reused little floats with the bikes that they used on the I think the 25th anniversary ah, parade yes. or maybe for the, the Halloween season mm. they had, had something like that. But yeah with that catchy song and some of the ducktail uh, characters it was yeah a really fun new experience one night only <laughs> <laughs> and there was a fantastic dance show with uh, dj max uh, goofy Sun, uh, including some special on stage appearances like stitch and angel and i think even um, hades was there lots of dancers <laughs> uh, video screens projections on the tower of terror of course and Ooh. another nice effect so th- that was an extremely dynamic big and great show so uh, yeah really something that felt quite unique uh, to me and the night ended at two (laughs) o'clock with an extremely long uh, parade in which all characters of that uh, night came by one more time uh, to say goodbye so that was a really nice closing of a special day made that evening also special to me was the opening ceremony um, with uh, the ambassadors welcoming uh, the fans but also followed by a special and very warm thank you speech by uh, Catherine Powell, the CEO of Disneyland Paris at that time. So, yeah, the whole event felt like it was made for the fans and that we were special to the Disneyland uh, Paris uh, team. So uh, Oh, it
0: sounds fantastic. Yeah, they need to bring
1: that back, what's going on? (laughs) And they covered the whole event uh, live on YouTube uh, uh, that evening. So I guess it's still um, available somewhere, uh, so you can have a look at it. Were there a lot
0: of folks there?
1: Yeah, it was pretty crowded, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) I'm not sure if it were 50 or 100 characters that you could meet, but Right. in reality, if you were not doing the shows and the attractions, you could maybe meet like 10, 20 characters max. <laughs>
0: but that's still a good amount, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. But it was also because uh, some characters were meeting you together. Like, ah. <laughs> uh, I think Anna and Christoph were meeting fans together and uh, Elsa and Olaf were together. Double and, take. Yeah. For Monsters, <laughs> Inc. It, was, it were like two or three at the time and... I was very lucky to just be at the moment that they switched. So yeah, we had the opportunity to see like five or six characters at the same time.
0: Nice. Yeah, that was really, uh, oh really my nice.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Won the character lottery there. <laughs>
1: yeah, it really was. Yeah. I saw also a lot of people commenting on, on social media after that night uh, saying Paris got all the, <laughs> the cool characters last night. And uh, why is that not happening in the US? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, there were a lot of people uh, looking uh, at Disneyland Paris uh, that night. Very cool cool nails.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna take it over to Walt Disney Studios Park here. In fact, I'm gonna take it way back to the opening of Walt Disney Studios Park. (laughs) So, it may be our problem child, but it is slowly evolving into something fantastic. Sure. Initial plans for a second theme park named Disney MGM Studios Europe or Disney MGM Studios Paris were scheduled to open in 1996. Though these plans were cancelled around mid-1992 due to the resort's financial crisis at the time, the French government originally gave consent for Disneyland Paris to be built on the condition that Disney would buy pockets of land in stages once the previous plots have been developed. Mm -hmm. So, It was France's first regional development public-private partnership, which is really interesting. Among other stipulations, Disney was contractually obligated to build a second gate, which is how we ended up with our little rascal of a park. (laughs) So Walt Disney Studios Park opened on the 16th of March 2002, 10 years after Disneyland Paris first opened its gates. Now, the reason it is in my top five is that even for all of its faults, it's still a Disney theme park and has several fantastic attractions. Tower of Terror, Crush's coaster, Ratatouille, and the now defunct Rock and Roller Coaster are all attractions that we have in Europe thanks to Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris. I'm also kind of a sucker for the <laughs> vintage. Hollywood glam and Studio One is serving up exactly that <laughs> reminds me of the great movie ride in Florida, which is now of course defunct. This park has so much potential to be great and with the upcoming Marvel, Star Wars and Frozen expansions, well, it's getting real, y'all. <laughs> Many exciting things are going to be coming our way. <laughs> yeah, better, better times are coming. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's next on
1: your list, well, Niels? I'm staying in uh, the Walt Disney Studios park. Ooh, Hollywood. <laughs> I wanted to put the opening of Ratatouille, The Adventure, on the list. It opened in June 2014 and the ride got a soft opening then and it was officially open to the big crowds in uh, July uh, that year. But for me, it was the first... Totally new ride opening that I've experienced in Disneyland Paris. It was also the first attraction to be opened in a long time, yes. <laughs> especially a big budget one, as it was a 270 million euros investment. That's a moolah. Yeah, <laughs> and that might include the restaurant, the shop, and the whole square, but still, uh, it was a huge opening, a very needed extension to the Studios Park. Definitely, and yeah, it's still one of my uh, favorite rides in Paris. I really think the Disney Imagineers did a great job, and it's one of the most immersive themed areas in that park and maybe in the whole resort even. The whole old Paris setting is really nicely done with a lot of details. Gorgeous. And now in 2020, Remy will also open his ride in, uh, in Epcot, uh, Walt Disney World. So um, yeah, if the Americans copy it to their parks, then it must be great, right? <laughs> <laughs> We've got good taste, y'all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's a fantastic attraction, yeah. And it's a great family attraction, which is something that the it Studios is. Park was lacking at at certain times. And now I think they've got a pretty good amount with Toy Story Playland and the new things that are making their way over. So it's getting a nice balance of thrill ride ratio to family adventure attractions, I would say. Yeah, exactly. This one's a great one to do after you had lunch at uh, Yeah,
1: <laughs> You don't get sick from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's great that it has FastPass, Single Rider. So Single Rider, yeah! Even as it's really popular, the long waiting
0: times are, well... Beatable
1: <laughs> with the fast pass or with single rider line, so yeah, that's great. Totally.
0: So next on my list is the acquisition by the Walt Disney Company. Oh, yeah. This the one's yeah. By the summer of 1994, Euro Disney was burned with three billion dollars worth of debt. Disney CFO Richard Nanula and Wall Street financier Steve Norris worked with Alawid's business advisor Mustafa Al Hajilan to rescue the overleveraged company. In that deal the Walt Disney Corporation's 49% stake was reduced to 39%. The banks had agreed to forego interest payments until 1997. Disney wrote off royalties and fees until 1999, and Alva agreed to pay 345 million for a 24% stake in Euro Disney. Part of this deal also meant that the banks would have to approve any expansions or new attractions, which you can imagine can cause delays as well as other budgetary issues and even leaks. As we saw back when the Ratatouille, the adventure attraction was being constructed, there was a complete model of the entire area and attraction in one of the bank's lobbies. (laughs) So on the 19th of June, 2017, the resort's operating company, Euro Disney SCA, was acquired by the Walt Disney Company, in the process giving them full control over the resort. Thank God. So (laughs) this led to the $2 billion investment into Disneyland Paris Resort, that was announced on February 27th, 2018. Besides all the fantastic new additions, that the direct ownership and management of Disneyland Paris will lead to a smoother operations, as well as more creative endeavors like the recently premiered Lion King Rhythms of the Pride Lens show and yeah. hopefully even more cool shows and attractions, and perhaps even a third gate making their way over to Paris sometime in the far future. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah, Really looking forward to yeah.
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always thinking what would be the third gate what kind of theme park
0: animal kingdom
1: Paris. Uh... yeah yeah maybe maybe <laughs> <Or> something completely <laughs>
0: original you know i wouldn't be bothered yeah that would be even yeah, better totally
1: yeah. but i do love animal kingdom yeah, yeah. or tokyo disney c so i've never been there but i hear so much great stories and what i see on yeah instagram and youtube it's such a cool place yeah.
0: that is my favorite international theme park of all time it is absolutely amazing and supremely crowded which is my the only negative thing about it is because it's so amazing so many yeah, people come
1: popular, yeah <laughs> yeah so that's another reason to build it in paris so uh. yeah we need more people over here from all <laughs> people can spread some go to tokyo some go to paris definitely yeah. so yeah that's already my fifth item the introduction of video projections or better video mapping as yes. That really made Disneyland Paris a more beautiful place, in my opinion. Definitely. So these days we're quite used to uh, the spectacular Disney illuminations with its fireworks, its laser effects, fountains, all the nice colored lights, fire, sound, and the video projections on the castle. Yes. But making the castle a big video screen was only introduced in 2012 when Disney Dreams was introduced as the new nighttime spectacular for the resort's 20th anniversary as it replaced fantasy in the sky a fireworks show so disney dreams with peter pan chasing his shadow really leveled up uh, disneyland paris at least for their uh, daily park closing uh, ceremony so uh, yeah for me that was a true highlight as well we cannot think <laughs> of a nighttime spectacular uh, anymore without uh, any
0: uh, well video mapping on the on the castle totally they're such an integral part of the show i'm Old. So, I remember back in the day when it was pretty much just colorful lights that were being projected onto the castle, and that's it. And if you're lucky, fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. If you're lucky, you got some uh, water in there as well, but that's pretty much it. The technology just wasn't there yet, you guys. So. The digital cinema really in general with those Christie and Barco high power DLP Mm -hmm. projectors is such a great innovation, not only for theaters, but also for theme parks. So especially Disney
1: making great use of them. And they're adding it to attractions. Peter Pan's flight. We have some animations uh, that are projected now uh, (laughs) inside. uh, Very true. uh, Well, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. They project in the lift hill uh, scene, uh, for example. Yes. It's really adding, well, nice new touches to the whole resort, in my opinion. Yeah.
0: My only critique of the projection technology is that sometimes, well, one example is in Phantom Manor, the singing bus, Mm. they're using a single chip, DLP projector to project their faces onto the bus, so this means there is a color wheel in the projector that's spinning. Red, green, blue, red, green, blue. And I'm one of those people that's prone to the so-called rainbow effect, so every time I pass by the singing bus now, I have this split second (laughs) of that red, green, blue, red, green, blue, and it it really bugs me a little bit, so I really implore Disneyland Paris to in the future invest more in LCD (laughs) technology or in three-chip DLP projectors, which don't have that issue. Uh, That's my nerdy rant, thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and when you know it and well looking for it it will (laughs) bother you every time (laughs) even more (laughs) yeah no but and there are also well a lot of situations well maybe not in Disneyland Paris where video projection is well just used as a gimmick or overused. Yes. And, um, <laughs> Universal Studios. Yeah exactly yeah but in general I think Disneyland Paris uses it really to enhance elements and well don't do it too much uh, so uh, yeah that's uh, that, that's cool.
0: I agree I think the balance is there at the moment. Yes yeah, pretty good. Ratatouille maybe kind of sp- stepping over the line just a bit here and there, but other than that, I think it's very tastefully done and it's not an overload of projection where, like, I need my physical sense. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, there's still plenty that's actually there, which is great, and they use the projection mapping to really just enhance what's already there, which is awesome. Yeah, that's what I like uh, most. So, last but definitely not least on my end is Magical Pride, because this is one that's really close to my heart, At the end of the day, isn't every Disney park a work of love? Yeah,
1: definitely. (laughs)
0: Well, there have been in the past some unofficial gay days at Walt Disney World last year, Disneyland Paris took it to the next inclusive level by launching the first ever official Disney Pride event with Magical Pride, so that includes the entire spectrum, which I love. Last year's Magical Pride was a fun little event over at Walt Disney Studios, but this year, corona willing, (laughs) they're ramping it up and over to Disneyland Park with A Disney magical march for diversity, a performance from, I learned how to say his name now, Mika (laughs) and other artists, a dance party with renowned DJs, Disney characters out and about, and of course a rare chance to ride thrilling attractions late into the night, which is a lot of fun. So June 6th sounds like a save the date to me. Now, Pride itself, or Christopher Street Day as it's known in most European countries, is not only a celebration but also a demonstration for the rights of LGBT people and against discrimination and exclusion. While it's essential that these continue, they are not always entirely (laughs) kid-friendly in terms of nudity and explicit content, so Magical Pride is an excellent family friendly alternative that's lighthearted and not even an alternative it's an addition to the iconic right. Christopher Street Day Pride and what's more magical than celebrating love in the happiest place on so yeah, it's a lot of fun perfectly fits in Disneyland Paris uh, I agree yeah. what's your last one Niels? oh wait you oh. already had your last one right? I ah! already had five <laughs> <laughs> so I have to think of a sixth uh, <laughs> yeah on the spot on spot well, I'm just kidding. there are so many
1: highlights but uh, I think we touched uh, yeah we got the essentials well, down a really nice yeah. range of uh, diverse topics with some personal uh, highlights in it so that's, Most definitely. Uh, that's
0: great Niels thank you so so much for coming back Back. You guys, be sure to follow Niels on Instagram under Capturing Disney Parks, where he posts the best Disney park pictures ever, especially now during the time of quarantine. They're so much fun to look at. On Twitter under cap Disney Parks, and check out his website, CapturingDisneyParks.com, which is amazing. Thank you so much, Niels. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Till next time. Talk to you soon. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever the platform of your choice is. And we would very much appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. It helps new folks discover the podcast and join in on the fun. Thank you so much, you guys. If you want even more Disneyland Paris in your life, follow Hermagique on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all under at Thanks for joining me today. For Hermagique, this is Eric. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode is not sponsored. Any promotional or advertised content will be clearly identified. Air Magique is an unofficial podcast made with love and is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries.